Hello everyone and welcome back to Daily Kaylee's 13 Days of Halloween. Today we are on the third day in the series so we have 10 to go after tonight. This is my favorite time of year. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. Today's episode is about the absolutely insane case of Elizabeth Fritzel. Just a disclaimer, if you hear any random noises today, it is my cat, not my daughter. He is here for the ride and he is excited to hear about Elizabeth Fritzel, I guess. So, a little backstory if you've never heard of the Fritzel case. This case, I won't say that it began in 2008 because it began nowhere near 2008. This is a very extensive case. But the case came to light in 2008. If you've never heard of Elizabeth Fritzel, she is from the town of Amstetten, Austria. And she was held captive for 24 years. The most interesting part about this case, in my opinion, is that when people hear of Elizabeth Fritzel for the first time and they hear that she was held captive for 24 years, most people assume she was held captive for all of her life, if not beginning at a very young age. Elizabeth was 18 years old when she became became a a captive person. I don't know how to explain that because she was not necessarily kidnapped. She was not abducted, but she was not held captive until she was 18 years old. Another very interesting thing about this case that is very mind-blowing is that the person who held her captive was her father, Joseph Fritzel. As I just said, her father's name was Joseph and her mother's name was Rose Marie. There's really no way to ease into this case, so let's just get in there. A little backstory on the case besides what I just said. The gist of the case is that she was held captive for 24 years by her father. Her mother had no idea, which is another insane detail. She had absolutely no idea. Not only was she held captive, but she was assaulted, sexually abused, and raped repeatedly while she was imprisoned inside the basement. Because of how often she was raped, she gave birth to seven children with her father. The weird part is that only three of them were also held captive with their mother. The other four were taken from the basement and raised by her father and her mother. Which, once again, it's baffling that her mother had no, not even an inkling of suspicion that something weird as fuck was going on. As I said, they kept four children upstairs, three downstairs. Well... The fourth child, he died just days after he was born. And I'm pretty sure he was half of a set of twins. So one boy survived, the other boy died after birth. And Joseph Fritzel disposed of his body by throwing him in an incinerator. So there'd be no no proof that a baby was born in the house. Like I said, the other three children that survived were raised by Joseph and his wife while 
the three captive children remained with Elizabeth. Joseph and Rosemary have been married since they were very young. Joseph was 21 and Rosemary was 17. They got married and they ended up having three sons and four daughters, so they also had seven children. Obviously, including Elizabeth. And according to Elizabeth, Joseph began sexually abusing her when she was only 11 years old. After Elizabeth turned 15, she completed like her, her required studies in school. She began to train to be a waitress. At this time, they had like official job training that you could do to become a waitress. You wouldn't just go to a restaurant and get a job. So, she decides she's going to be a waitress. Well, a few months later, in January of 1983, she runs away. She goes into hiding, and she's in Vienna, Austria, and she's hiding with a friend from the waitressing course. She's found by the police within only a few weeks, and she's returned to her parents. She did not tell police why she ran away. I don't think at this point they really believed there was anything out of the ordinary going on. They just thought, oh, well, she's a 15-year-old girl who gets mad at her parents and runs away. So they returned her to her parents. She rejoined the waitressing course, gets a job. She does not have the job very long because on August 28th, 1984, Elizabeth turns 18. Her father requests her help and she goes into the basement with him. He needs help carrying a door into the basement so he can install it. What was really happening was Joseph had converted the basement into a, like a prison chamber. It was literally like a dungeon. The door was the last piece of the chamber. Elizabeth held the door in place while her father, Joseph, began installing it. She was like, okay, I'm helping my dad. I'm, I'm being a great girl. After the door was installed, he held up an ether-soaked towel to her face until it knocked her unconscious. And then he left her in the chamber. That is the last time she was free from the chamber for 24 years. After her sudden disappearance, Rosemary filed a missing persons report, as any mother would do. Almost an entire month later, Joseph gives a letter to the police, and this is the first of several letters that he gives the police. He claims that these were sent to him from Elizabeth, but really he was forcing her to write them in the basement. The letter was postmarked from a town in Upper Austria on the border of Germany, so quite a while away from where they lived. In the letter, she stated that she was tired of living with her family and she was staying with a friend. She warns her parents not to look for her or she will leave the country. Joseph tells the police after reading this letter, he thinks that she has probably joined a cult. That is the most likely scenario because of the weird things she's saying. Like I said, he has given police multiple letters throughout the 24 years that she's been held captive. And the police do not question this. They're like, okay, yeah, you're probably right. 
joined a cult. What can you do? She's 18. Like, that was it. And her mother is not really doing anything else either. It's baffling. Anyways, we'll get to the, we'll get to that later. (laughs) But over the next 24 years, like I said, she is in this chamber. She does not leave this chamber for 24 years. Joseph will visit her almost every day or at least three times a week to bring her food, supplies, whatever she needs, and raping her, of course, to bear children. Like I said, she gave birth to seven children and then one died. Three children were removed and they were raised by Joseph and Rosemary. These children were named Lisa, Monica, and Alexander. Social services approved Joseph and Rosemary to be these children's foster parents. And Joseph had a very reasonable story on how they appeared on his doorstep. Not only did he just say these random kids were dropped off, but he would often say these were Elizabeth's children and she had left them on the doorstep with a letter and, once again, no one thought this was suspicious. He's just raising these three grandkids. She's coming here to drop off these random babies and then leaving before anyone sees her. She's not been found by the police. Nothing. It's very strange. However, because they were considered foster parents and not adoptive parents, they received regular visits from social workers and none of them were suspicious at all. They didn't see or hear anything weird. No one had any idea there were people being held captive in the basement. In 1994, after the fourth child was born, Elizabeth, I guess, had been asking her father to at least extend the basement. We can't have four people living down here. So, to put that into perspective for you, at first, the prison room was only 380 square feet. He enlarged it to 590 square feet. He did nothing. He had Elizabeth and her three children dig out soil with their bare hands for years until it was complete. In the basement, well, in the prison inside the basement, they had a television, a radio, a video cassette player, they had a refrigerator, and they had hot plates to cook the food. Elizabeth taught her kids how to read and write down here. I mean, she was raising her children in a prison. At times, Joseph would punish Elizabeth and her children by shutting off the lights, refusing to bring them food, anything like that, cutting them off from the outside world completely for days at a time, knowing that these are his children in this basement. He often told Elizabeth and the three children, their names were Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix, by the way. He often told them that they would be gassed if they tried to escape. Later, when this one was investigated, it was determined there was no way he could have gassed them. There was absolutely no supplied gas in the basement. But he was trying to frighten them into being complacent. He also told them, because the door to the prison, it was operated by an electric keypad. He told them if they messed with the door, they'd be electrocuted. And, I mean, when it's just a you, 
I don't know how many of you are parents out there. But if it's just you, I think you'd be more willing to mess with the door to see if it would really happen. But when it's your children that you have to protect, of course you're not going to let them do it. And you're not going to do anything that will put you in a position to not be able to care for them. So it worked. It scared her into complacency. According to Joseph's sister-in-law, Christine, who regularly visited the house, he would go into the basement every morning at 9 o'clock. Apparently, he was supposed to be drawing plans for machines and such that he would sell to these manufacturing firms to make money. Oftentimes, he would stay the entire night in the basement from 9 a.m. through the entire next night, and he would not allow his wife to bring him coffee, food, nothing. She was not allowed down there. They had a tenant who rented a ground room in the house for 12 years, and he claimed to hear noises from the basement. But Joseph, of course, had an excuse, and he said they were caused by either the faulty pipes, which was not true, or the heating system. Obviously, the tenant, whatever he heard, was not deemed human enough to be more suspicious about it, but okay. 24 years later, on April 19th, 2008, Kirsten, Elizabeth's oldest daughter, who was 19 years old at this time, has been in captivity her entire life. She fell unconscious. She was having a medical emergency, and Joseph agreed to seek medical attention for her and take her to the hospital. This is the first time Elizabeth sees the outside world for 24 years because he lets her help him carry Kirsten out to the car so that so that he has help to get her to the hospital. But he makes her go back to the prison chamber where she stays for one more week. And she obeys him. She goes back to the chamber because her other children are there. They need her. Kirsten ends up being taken by ambulance to the hospital, and when she was admitted, she was, it was in serious condition. She had life-threatening kidney failure. Joseph later arrives at the hospital, claiming that he found a note written by Kirsten's mother. He discussed Kirsten's condition and the note with the doctor, and basically he's saying, because of this note, I will take care of her while she's here, so you should only consult with me. I'm, for all intents and purposes, I'm here to take care of her. The medical staff and the doctor both thought this was suspicious. They thought his story was very confusing and they knew something wasn't right about it. So they called the police on April 21st. The police let a broadcast out on the public media and they were asking for the missing mother to come forward and provide information about Kirsten and her medical history so that they can treat her. After this, the police reopened the case file on Elizabeth's disappearance. Joseph is still adamant that she's in a cult. He also presented to the police what he said was the most recent letter from her, dated three months earlier, January 2008. The police contacted a church officer who was an expert on cults at the time. And this man had his doubts. He said he does not believe the existence of this cult that Joseph is describing is valid. He also says Elizabeth's letters are very dictated and oddly written. They 
don't match up from what you would read from a cult victim. And he says, there's something off about him. Elizabeth, at this point, is begging Joseph to take her to the hospital. She needs to be there with Kirsten. She needs to clear this up. She needs to be there for her daughter. So, on April 26th, a week later, he releases her from the prison cell, along with her sons, Stefan and Felix, and he brings them all upstairs. Him and Elizabeth go to the hospital, where Kirsten's being treated. The doctor calls the police to tell them that both Joseph and Elizabeth are at the hospital. Elizabeth, who's been missing for 24 years, and the police detain them to ask them for questioning. To bring them up for questioning, because would you not? She's been missing for 24 years, and now suddenly she's with her father at the hospital. Just like that. That fast. Elizabeth did not provide any police, or did not provide any evidence, a statement, anything to the police. Did not give them any details about where she's been until... They always said caught on to something strange as fuck happening. And they promised her that she would never have to see her father again if she tells them what is happening to her. Over the next two hours, she tells the entire story of the past 24 years in captivity. She tells them, this is very disturbing, I am sorry. She tells the police that Joseph raped her and forced her to watch porn. And he made her reenact the videos with him in front of her children. And he did this to humiliate her and keep her submissive to him. They completed their investigation shortly after midnight. So it did not take them very long to determine that she's telling the truth. Joseph was arrested on April 26th on suspicion of serious crimes against family members. During that evening, on April 27th, Elizabeth, her children, and her mother, Rosemarie, were taken into care. Police said that Joseph told the investigators how to enter the basement chamber, and it was through a small hidden door opened by a keyless entry code. Like I said, Rosemarie had no idea that this had been happening to Elizabeth. She was, I mean, in shock. She had never seen these parts of the basement. Like, it was insane. A few days later, on April 29th, the DNA evidence confirmed that he was the father of all of her children. Obviously, because the DNA test proves incest, they still had to investigate for the allegations of rape and enslavement just to cover their bases and finish the investigation. On May 1st, they had a press conference, and they said that the, the previous year, Joseph had forced Elizabeth to write a letter Indicating that he may have been planning to release her and the children. Which makes no sense because he kept her in captivity for 24 years. Why would he release her now? But anyways, the letter said, supposedly, that Elizabeth wanted to come home but it wasn't possible yet. So the police deduced that... Joseph was going to pretend to rescue his daughter from this fake-ass cult and be a hero. It's absolutely insane. The police also said that they planned to interview at least 100 people who had lived as tenants in the Fritzl apartment building in the previous 24 years. 
I don't know what came of that because there's not much information on that. But, like I said, people heard things, but they didn't speak up. A little backstory on the prison cell that he built. So you can get an idea of how secluded it was from the rest of the house. In this little hidden cellar of the basement. He actually applied for a building permit so he could extend, add an extension with the basement. Building inspectors visited and verified the new extension. Everything was good to go. However, he illegally went off of the permissions that he had. And he enlarged the room even more by excavating space for a much larger basement but it was concealed by walls so if they just peeked in they couldn't tell in this hidden chamber he installed a sink toilet a bed the hot plate and the refrigerator he also added even more space by creating a passageway to a pre-existing basement under part of an old area of the property which only he knew of no one else knew it was there This prison chamber had a 16-foot corridor, a storage area, and three small cells, which were all connected by these really narrow passageways. It had a tiny little cooking area with just, like I said, the hot plates and the refrigerator, and it had a very small bathroom. It then had two sleeping areas, which had two beds each. Like I said, this area was only 590 square feet. The cell had two access points. The first one was a hinge door, which is what he was installing with Elizabeth, I'm pretty sure. It weighed 1,100 pounds so that she would not be able to open this door. However, they think that they he stopped using it because of the weight. It was ridiculously hard to open. After this, the second access point was a metal door, which was reinforced with concrete and steel rails, and it weighed 660 pounds. It was also only 3.3 feet high and 2 feet wide. It was very tiny. This door was located behind a shelf in Joseph's workshop in the basement, and like I said, it was protected by an electronic code. And just to put it into perspective for you, In order to reach this tiny door to get into the cell, you had to go through five different rooms in the basement that were all locked. To get actually into the specific area where Elizabeth and her children were being held captive, you had to open eight doors in total to get there. And two of them were secured by the electronic keypads. So even if someone had stumbled into the basement, even if they had heard Elizabeth down there, They would not be able to get to her. After he was arrested, he he claimed that he had not raped his daughter, that their relationship was consensual, which is... I mean, even if it was consensual, you wouldn't lock a woman in your basement in order to have sex with her. 
That does not seem very consensual to me. That implies that if she was not in the basement, she would not be agreeing to have sex with you, and therefore... I, <laughs> anyways, he thought that would do the trick and that would get him off, but it obviously didn't. In a few interviews, he said that he always knew during the whole 24 years that what he was doing was not right and that he would, he had to have been crazy to do it. And yet it still became a normal occurrence to have a second life in the basement of his house. He also claimed that he is not evil. He's not a bad person. He literally is quoted saying, I'm not the beast the media makes me to be. Which, I, I really don't have anything to say about that. I think this whole case speaks for itself. However, to back up his statement, he says that he would often bring flowers for Elizabeth. He'd bring books and toys for the children. He also called the prison the bunker. He did not call it a prison, even though they were being held there against their will. He also said that he would watch videos with the kids and he would eat meals with all of them as a family. He then said that he decided to imprison her in the basement after she would no longer follow the rules of the house when she became a teenager, which is still obviously not okay. But he says, that is why I had to do something. I had to create a place where I could keep Elizabeth by force, if necessary, away from the outside world. Which still... This is still not great. Still not a great excuse. He also says that he grew up in Nazi Germany, so he thinks that this had a huge impact on how he how he views common decency and good behavior, which I mean that could be true, but at the end of the day, I mean he was ten years old when Nazi Germany was over, so I don't really know if that would hold up. Let's keep tearing apart his testimony here. They also think that when he was talking about Nazi Germany and how it affected him as a kid, that he thinks, obviously they think he's making the shit up, and that he wanted to claim insanity, so he was building up this crazy-ass shit. Either way, insane. Now, here is a, another little key piece of information that they found out while he was being interviewed about Elizabeth. He kept his mother locked up in the attic before he kept his daughter locked up in the basement. When he was asked about his childhood, he described his mother as the best woman in the world and was only as strict as it was necessary. Later, as they got deeper into his childhood and throughout the years he expressed negative opinions of his mother and said that she used to beat him until she was he was lying in a pool of blood on the floor who said that she humiliated him and made him weak he then says he never had a kiss from his mother he was never cuddled even though he wanted to be and that he just wanted his mother to be good to him he claims that she called him satan a criminal, a no good, and that he apparently had a horrible fear of her. In 1959, after Joseph and Rosemary got married and bought the house they were living in, his mother moved in with them. 
I guess this is when he decided to get his revenge because now it was his house and not hers. So, over time, she's the one who came to fear him. He then admitted that he had locked his mother in the attic and bricked up her window after telling the neighbors that she had died. And he kept her locked up until she did die in 1980. It's unknown how long he kept her locked up. He didn't say. They really don't have any evidence because her body's gone. But they think it may have been up to 20 years. It is just insane. He admitted to this because it backs up his story that his pathological behavior was, he was born that way. It came from his mother. It was passed down to him. It's not his fault. He also admitted that he planned to lock his daughter up so that he could contain and express his evil side in the basement and be his normal self upstairs. He then says, I was born to rape and I held myself back for a relatively long time. I could have behaved a lot worse than locking up my daughter. I don't know if he could have, but... That is up for debate. A psychiatrist diagnosed Joseph as having a severe combined, combined personality disorder and a sexual disorder as well. And he recommended that Joseph receive psychi- psychiatric care for the rest of his life. The rest of his life. And at this time, he was 73 years old when he was arrested. After more interviews... It was determined that he, for one, obviously premeditated his plan to lock his daughter up. And they determined it was not for her discipline, like he originally claimed, but it was for his own pleasure, his own gratification. On November 13th, 2008, Joseph Fritzl was charged not only with rape, incest, kidnapping, false imprisonment, imprisonment, and slavery, but he was also charged for the murder of the baby boy who was named Michael, who died shortly after birth. For the murder of the child, he faced anywhere between 10 years in life in prison. For the former charges... They carry a maximum 20-year term. That's it. And that was in 2008. So, let's keep reading. So, the day one of the trial, it began March 16th, 2009. Joseph hid his face from cameras, which under Austrian law, he's able to do that. He doesn't have to show his face. After all the opening statements, all the journalists and spectators were asked to leave the courtrooms. So there were no cameras, just the court reporter, obviously. And he lowered his binder from his face. He was covered with like a blue binder that you would find at Walmart. He then pleads guilty to all charges except the murder charge and the grievous assault charge because of how he threatened to gas his captives if they disobeyed him. The only defense he had from his attorney 
was that he was not a monster because, because he did so many nice things for the people he literally was holding against their will in the basement. His opening statement was he was not a monster because he had brought a Christmas tree down to his captives in the cellar during the holiday season. Isn't that the sweetest thing you've ever heard? prosecutor pressed for life imprisonment for what he has done and he she wanted him in a, an institution for the criminal insane she then is showing the drawers how low the height of the ceiling was in the dungeon so he she put a mark on the door of the courtroom to show them that's where the ceiling ended it was only five feet eight and a half inches tall it was also damp and moldy, and she passed around a box of these musty, gross objects taken from the cellar. On only the first day of the testimony, jurors watched 11 hours of a testimony recorded by Elizabeth in July 2008. Apparently, the tape was so disturbing that eight of them did not watch more than two hours at a time. They had to take breaks because... It was insane. They had four replacement jurors on standby in case any of the regular ones had to leave because they just could not bear to hear any more of this evidence. Other than her video testimony, they also had her older brother Harold testify and he said that he was physically abused by Joseph as a child. Rosemary and all of Elizabeth's children refused to testify, which the children have been through a very traumatic life. So, I understand. And Rosemary, I mean... She she says she did not know anything, had no suspicion. The only person who knows if that's true is her. But she did not testify. On March 18th, 2009, on the second day of the trial, Elizabeth attended the trial. She was in disguise. And she she did not want to see her father again, especially after this. But she was going to write a book about her ordeal, and she wanted to she wanted to see this because she was determined he was going to be locked away, and this was the last time she'd have to see him. When Joseph recognized that Elizabeth was there in the courtroom, something changed. He was obviously. Very nervous. There's a video that of when he recognized her. And it says that you could see him going pale. And he was breaking down. The next day. He began the proceedings by approaching the judge himself. And changing his pleas to guilty on all charges. On March 19th, 2009. He was sentenced to life in prison. Without the possibility of parole for 15 years. He said that he would accept the sentence and he would not appeal. He would accept what was given to him. He is currently still kicking. He is serving out his sentence in Garston Abbey, which I never heard of, but it seems interesting. It was a former monastery in Upper Austria that has been converted into a prison, and that's where he is. After the trial, 
weeks were hard for Elizabeth and the kids, as you can imagine. Um, I'm sure they're doing better now. I need to look up an update and let you guys know. But after the trial, medical experts obviously re- reported on Elizabeth and the children and said they were in relatively good health. Elizabeth, all six of her children, and her mother were all taken into care in a local clinic. And this was needed. They needed to heal from their trauma. They needed a lot of therapy to help them adjust to their new life. Elizabeth and the three children that were being held in the basement had to have extensive therapy to adjust to the light. Just be- They had spent... 24 years in darkness in the basement. They had very dim lighting, and it took them a while to readjust to seeing daylight. They also needed treatment to help them deal with the space they had now, if that makes sense. They had been in a tiny prison basement for years, and they it was a bit jarring to be back out in the world where there's so much space. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but It was also said that her son, Stefan, he was 5'8", and he could not walk properly. He had to stoop in the basement because the ceiling was, like I said, only like his height. So he would have to stoop in the basement, and he had to have therapy to help him walk normally. Kirsten was reunited with them on June 8th, 2008. She was actually induced into a medical coma and she was awakened after they said that she was doing a lot better. And they said she'd make a full recovery. She she was going to be okay. It was also revealed that Elizabeth and her children were somehow even more traumatized than they thought. Which was already saying a lot. Apparently, during captivity, Kirsten would tear out her hair in clumps, and she would rip her dresses apart, and she would stuff them in the toilet. Also, some more therapy that the children had to have. It was revealed that normal, everyday things had a very intense response from them. If someone would dim the lights or close a door, close and open a door... Kirsten and Stefan would have, like, full-blown panic attacks because, like I said, they lived in a prison that had one door. If it was opening, it meant Joseph was coming in. The other three children that were raised by Rosemary and Joseph, they were being treated for the trauma they suffered in the house. They had anger and resentment. They had been told that their mother had abandoned them and they had to deal with that and re-accept Elizabeth as their mother. Elizabeth and her mother had a falling out because Elizabeth could not believe that her mother had no idea she didn't look for her harder and how passive she was when she was a child and being abused. And that's her right. That's totally her right. It is reported that they have warmed up to each other again, but obviously not the same way that you would expect. Like I said, they have an intense relationship, so they're not very close, but 
they're on decent terms. While Elizabeth does not talk to her mother very often, she does allow the three children that grew up being raised by her to visit her regularly. Which I guess is all she can ask for. On June 28, 2013, workers began filling the basement of the Fritzel home with concrete. They completely filled it up. It only took about a week to complete and the house was sold. A lot of neighbors were upset because they wanted the house to be demolished, but the house was sold for $160,000 in December of 2016. And the buyers intended to turn it into apartment buildings and they would allow asylum seekers to live in the house, which is, it's a good start. Last year, in September of 2021, Joseph was released from his psychiatric detention facility and put in a regular prison, which is what I was talking about earlier. This is where he is to continue to serve his life sentence. This past April. Okay, well, first of all, it was, the ruling was appealed by his attorney. However, this following, this past April, three judges decided that he can be moved. He is clearly, he can be moved. He'll be fucking fine in a prison. Okay, sorry, I was reading this um, note I took and I couldn't understand what it said. But, reports say that he is suffering from dementia, which he's pretty damn old these days, so I'm not surprised. However, because he's being moved to a regular prison and not a psychiatric facility, it means that next year, in 2023, he will be eligible for parole because he served the first 15 years of his sentence. We will have to stay on the case and see how that goes for him. But my guess is not good. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is uh, this has been a wild ride. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It is absolutely insane to me. When I first started researching this case, I was absolutely mind blown. Like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I'll see you guys in a couple days to continue the 13 Days of Halloween segment. And I'll see you then. Bye guys. <laughs>